Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy, as always, you're tuning into Dose of Leadership. Man, big show today. Great guest. Fantastic guest. Jamie Kern Lima is on the show. She started It Cosmetics in her living room and grew this company into the largest luxury makeup brand in the country. She sold the company to L'Oreal in a billion-dollar deal and became the first female CEO in this brand's 100-plus-year history. Her love for customers, her remarkable authenticity and belief eventually landed her on the Forbes America's Richest Self-Made Women list. Today, she's a mother of two and an investor, a speaker, thought leader, and an author of a fantastic book called Believe It, How to Go from Underestimated to Unstoppable. I think this is one of my favorite books I've read all year. It's such a fascinating book. I read it in uh, one night, a day and a half, basically. And I kept had to highlight her out into making notes, scribbling on it, running in, reading passages to my wife. It's such a fun and inspiring story. It's a great book because it it taps into something we talk about here a lot on Dose of Leadership is overcoming self-doubt and limiting beliefs. I do believe that's a huge part of our leadership journey, right? having that self-awareness, overcoming self-doubt, gaining courage to take risks, empowering yourself, empowering others, tuning into and trusting your own intuition, letting go of your mistakes, your insecurities, turning down the volume of your inner critic and and that, that inner voice that's so negative most of the time, handling rejection haters, boost your confidence. Start your dreams. Keep going. It's all in this book. And her story is just amazing. You talk about someone that that has tenacity, never quit, never giving up. It's just so inspiring. And you're really going to enjoy and get a tremendous amount of value in this conversation. It is brought to you by my friends Hutton. Hutton designs, builds, and service commercial construction projects all throughout the Midwest. They're longtime fans of the podcast. They're committed to the highest standards in leadership. And they're supporting the show. And I'm so proud to have them as a sponsor. They're behind so many projects, from stunning structures built from the ground up to remodeled hospitals, medical offices, manufacturing, industrial facilities, municipal buildings, financial institutions, churches, schools, you name it, they build it. These days, they're both architects and builders as well, because increasingly, that's what you want if you're a client, right? A single trusted partner to work with from start to finish. They get that at Hutton. Only their vision delivered from paper to structure. And it's more than a construction project for them. It's a creative endeavor. And they put people over projects. That's what I really appreciate about Hutton. They always have. It's how they treat their clients, how they treat their employees, how they treat their community. Character counts for them, and that's how they select their staff, their subcontractors, how they serve their community. Not lip service. I know them personally. They're professional, hardworking, charitable, Midwestern in all the best ways. That's their culture, which is really no culture at all. It's just who they are. That's Hutton. I encourage you to learn more about them. Go to HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. That's HuttonBuilds.com slash TogetherWeBuild. Thanks again for being a supporter of this show. If you haven't done so, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast applications, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever it may be. Your writing reviews, your word of mouth does wonders keeping us front and center in all of these applications, and it's without your support, it wouldn't be possible. So thank you for your support. Check out doseofleadership.com to learn more and learn more about my university. I just opened up looking for new members. doseofleadership.com slash university. You can learn more. All right, let's get on with this conversation with Jamie Kern Lee here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Jamie Kern Lima on Dose of Leadership. This is amazing. Welcome to the show. Oh, Richard, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here <laughs> just to share this uh, really special moment with you and your whole community too. So it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, I got to tell you, this is an amazing piece of work. You should be extremely proud of yourself for this. I don't need to tell you that, but I mean, just from a, a reader who just read this, <laughs> and I've read it, and I told you in the pre-recording, I got this, you guys FedEx this to me Monday, I think I got it, and I got it last night, so I read it at 9 p.m., here it is the next day, I finished it at 1 p.m., an amazing book, I just, I love it, it made, and look, I, I'll be honest with you, it made me cry, I've never cried in a book, it made really? me cry, it made me cry. You've never cried, okay. Not in a book, not in a book like this, I mean, maybe in a fictional yeah. book or something, yeah. It's an Aww. amazing story. Thank you so much. It's, um, you know, it, it's been a journey. <laughs> I yeah, think every one of sure. us has, has a story. And I think, you know, just 
all of us are kind of on this journey. I think of, I mean, for me, it's really, it's really, you know, so many people think, oh, is this a book about how you went from Denny's waitress to leading a, a, a business, a billion dollar business. And it's like, that's part of it. But it's really a story of a girl who went from not believing herself to believing mm-hmm. herself and like not trusting myself to list, like to learning how to hear my own gut instinct yeah. and learning how to trust it. Um, and, and just learning how to break through all that self doubt that, that holds us back so often. And why I wrote it is really like for a lot of years, I would get these DMS on Instagram where people would say, Oh, I saw your, your story. Um, like how, like, was it like, did you just get lucky or cause all that's out there is kind of like the headlines. And I realized, Oh, if I don't share, if I never share the real story behind the story of like how it all happened, um, the years and years of rejection and opposition and all those things, then it's like so many other people out there that maybe are trying to launch their own dream, or maybe they're trying to be mm-hmm. a better leader or whatever it might be, are going to feel alone yeah. <laughs> in their struggles if they're just reading like the highlight reel of, of people's successes online. And so this is the first time ever that I just, I took everything and kind of like threw out that filter out the window and just poured everything I had. It's, it's every personal and professional yeah. uh, life lesson I've ever learned. And, and my hope is just, it's of service for anyone else out there who's really on that journey of like breaking through that self-doubt and, 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 and on that journey to becoming the person they're created to be. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 it's a prescription or it's a recipe that you've kind of attacked life with anyway. What a thing I've, that's really kind of come out of this show and all these conversations and people ask me, well, what are the bigger lessons that you've learned from talking to all these people? And your book hits all of these, these points that, you know, the, the prescription that is needed so, it, that is in such lacking in everywhere we look is this authenticity, this transparency, this vulnerability, which lends itself, you got to be courageous if you're going to do those things because we suck at them as human beings. You know, what we're bombarded with from our limiting beliefs, our doubts, the pop culture, the, the social media now that just even feeds on that. I mean, everybody deals with this head trash, this limiting beliefs, these self-doubt. It's a constant battle. You still battle with it today. I battle with it. Everybody I've had on the show has said that. And that's been a, a big aha moment for me on this show. And a relief, a sense of relief and reading your book is kind of the same feeling that I got is when you read it. And because you're so authentic, you're so transparent, and you're so vulnerable in this book and you have been in your whole. That's why you've been so successful as an entrepreneur and, and, and your brand has been successful because of those things. What do you think when you hear me say that? That authenticity, transparency, vulnerability, that's the currency that's needed, right? It is. And it's scary for so many of us. I think that, you know, you look at so many of the studies out there that show how like it's impossible to have a real human connection if you show up as your representative or as who you think people want you to be. And and, and, and the only real way to have a human connection uh, is to show up like fully parts, the bad parts, the messy parts. But a lot of people who know that also miss that connection of like, oh, our relationship with our customers also needs to be an authentic one. Our relationship with our teams and our employees also needs to be an authentic one. And we end up putting so much pressure on ourselves, right? Social media, to your point, mm-hmm. feeds into that too. But we think, oh, I, I, a leader acts this way. Or, uh, 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 you know, we, we learn these things and we end up showing up a, as our own representative. And then you know, what I've learned, um, and I don't want to like jump too far ahead or give anything up because there's so many crazy stories in this book, but one of the, the, the leadership lessons I, I would say, and life lessons, frankly, that I, after, which is three years of rejection, mm. a crazy story. We finally got one shot on QVC. I can talk about it only, only if you want to, but, oh, we'll uh, talk about uh, it. Yeah. but you know, being on QVC for, you know, I did about a thousand shows live myself and so I've met tens of thousands of, of entrepreneurs and uh, brand founders and senior executives that will go on the television for their company. And it's like all the years when I look back at what is the commonality between the people that made it and those that didn't, because most people in the QVC space, they get, they get one shot on air and they never come back because they don't mm-hmm. hit the sales goal or they maybe they, get, they come back twice or three times and then they're gone. So I've seen thousands of people leave. <laughs> and then it's like, what's the commonality between the, the ones that last? And literally, it's not who's smarter. It's not who's more qualified or more accomplished. 
the people that lasted were the ones that were the same off air in the green room as they were on air, like for better or worse, like some were wild and crazy and quirky (laughs) and some were very conservative and quiet and like, but they were the same. And it's because that live on air to a hundred million homes, you know, you can't fake authenticity. And the only way for customers to connect is when you show up as you, you fully are. And the thing that one of the things I talk about in the book is, um, and believe it is this lesson I learned, which is that like authenticity alone doesn't guarantee success, but inauthenticity guarantees failure for sure. And I think like when we fully grasp that and make the scary decision, the courageous decision whether it's as a human being in the relationships in our life or as a leader in our, in our professional life, when we make that decision that we're going to show up authentically, it's also kind of freeing because like it takes the pressure off as well. And you're like, listen, this is the only way I'm going to win. So like, I don't need to get distracted anymore by what some other person's doing or some other company's doing or whatever. It's like all in, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hit it right on the head. You're absolutely right. And, you know, when I told my uh, wife that I was interviewing, she about fell out of her chair. She's a huge oh. fan of yours. And uh, we love QVC too. And my mom was a huge QVC fan years ago. And it's, it's always like, yeah. it's almost like Christmas music to me because when Christmas is on, like QVC was always on in my house with my mom. Oh. And so it's, it's almost like a, a comforting thing. So I remember yeah. seeing, you know, I'm, it's amazing to think how much has happened, Jamie, in the last 10 years. It's only really been 10, really, you know, in the last 10 years where it really has gone crazy, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. not that long yeah. ago. It really isn't wow. that long ago. And you think about, I mean, I know there's a lot but before that, but when you hit QVC, and I remember years ago watching and then seeing uh, you without your makeup on and seeing the rosacea and then talking. And I remember thinking just kind of in passing, I was like, wow, that's, that's a really cool way to sell that. I remember just thinking that just momentarily, but that was the key, yeah. right? You, and everybody, all the professionals telling you not to, and you said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be me. I'm going to show the real me who I am because I believe in my product number one that much. And I'm tired of, uh, there's got to be millions of women out there who, you know, we're seeing all these kind of, these fake images of we're never going to live up to, let me just show you what, you know, let me tell you my story and my struggle and why I deal with. And it sounds like the, the, oh yeah, well, why wouldn't you make that decision? But at the time, nobody was doing that, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because I, you know, it's funny how in life, (laughs) sometimes we think, you know, we're supposed to do one thing and then yeah. a setback happens that we realize, oh, it's a setup for what we're actually yeah. supposed to do next. And it, you know, it all started, you know, as working as a, as a journalist, cause I love other people's stories so much. And I grew up thinking I'm going to have a talk show or do some, some type of journalism where I interview other people. And that's what I, so I was in my dream job working as a, mm-hmm. a news anchor and started getting this, this hereditary skin condition, the rosacea, yeah. the bright red rosacea you're, you're talking about. And it's really like sandpaper, like texture and yeah. bumpy all yeah. over my cheeks. And, uh, and you know, I would be anchoring the news live and the producers in my ear often would be like, there's something on your face. Can you wipe it off? There's something on your face. And I knew there was nothing I could wipe off. Right. I knew it was that the makeup wasn't covering yeah. properly. And it started this, First of all, it started a season of doubt in my own head where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, am I going to get fired? Am I going to lose viewers? All those things. And started trying to find every any makeup out there that would work and nothing did. And it was really this moment where I go, oh, like if I could actually figure out. And Richard, I knew nothing about the yeah. beauty industry. I had no connections, no nothing, um, barely any money because in TV news, it doesn't pay that well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what am I, you know, but if I can figure this out not only will it solve my problem, it's going to, you know, hopefully solve so many other people's problems out there too, that can't find anything that works for them. But here's the thing that happened. And, and I would share this even as a, as a leadership lesson, because this happened organically. And by the way, there was a lot of things I did wrong and a lot of mistakes I make. I talk about those in the book, but a couple of the things I did right that were huge in terms of leadership as well is, you know, it's so, the idea of your why is so popular and, um, Simon Sinek is brilliant. So mm-hmm. many people talk about your why so well. And one of the things that happened to me early on is uh, I realized the why for what I was doing wasn't, it wasn't um, a typical why. And what I mean by this, and I think this is a, a lesson or a, a, a tip rather for everyone listening, 
I've seen this commonality as well between people that don't make it long-term or they give up on their idea or their goal because a lot of people attach a why to it and it sounds really good. And that's where they stop. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if my why would have been like, oh, I want to solve my own skin problems and I want to help millions of women too. Like that sounds really good. And I did want to do those things. Um, but what I realized was uh, from peeling back the layers, uh, and now I do this for every goal I have, by the way, is usually your why, even when it sounds really good, it's not strong enough to keep you from giving up when you get knocked down a million times. What happened organically was I'd realized in searching for a product that didn't work for me, I couldn't find anything that worked for me. And I was like, why is it nothing works? For-? And I realized, oh, my whole life, since the time I was a little girl, I've seen all these uh, magazine ads and commercials and of these like Photoshop, beautiful, aspirational, you know, images of beauty. And I always aspired to look like that. And I, and A, I didn't even know if they were wearing the product they were selling. B, none of them had skin issues like me. <laughs> none of them had rosacea. Um, but I realized that while I aspired to look like that my whole life, like it always made me also feel, even as a little girl, that I wasn't enough. Right. And I had this moment where it wasn't the the, the deep, deep, like peel back the layers yeah. why beneath the why it wasn't just, oh, let me create a product that works and helps so many people, although I wanted to do that. It was like, oh, if I can create a company where I put all different real women, shapes, sizes, skin tones, ages, skin problems – and I call them beautiful models and I mean it authentically, like, and I can have success with that. Like I have the potential to impact so many other little girls out there who are about to start learning to doubt themselves yeah. and so many grown women who still do. And that why became so big for me because what happened is um, when I gave up my dream job, which sometimes knowing when to let go of a dream mm-hmm. is as important as knowing when to go after one. Uh, and poured all my savings. My husband and I wrote the business plan on our honeymoon flight. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, we didn't have very much savings, but we poured it all into creating a product and, and hiring an advisory board and figuring it all out. And I thought, when, if we could make a product that works, this is going to be huge, right? What I didn't know was a lot of things. But one of the things I didn't know was like, oh, it's not that easy. Like, like, I didn't know it would be three years before we could afford to pay ourselves. I didn't know yeah. that all of these experts I put on a pedestal, like all the beauty retailers and the Sephora's and the mm-hmm. Ulta's department stores, QVC, would all tell me no and that I wasn't the right fit for them for three years. Mm-hmm. It was, I would have quit if it weren't for that why being so deep and painful. Mm-hmm. And if it, and of all the things I did wrong, what I would say to everyone listening too is like learning how to, to, to hear your own gut and trust it and know like your own inner, inner knowings. For some people, that's how they hear God. Their people, they call it whatever they want to call it. But when I would get still and listen to that knowing, it kept telling me you're supposed to keep going, even though there is no proof around us. Like mm-hmm. we got down to under a thousand dollars in our, right. Cause people read the headlines. Oh, you I sold know. your business for $1.2 billion cash. It's like, Oh, a couple years in, we were down to under a thousand dollars in our bank account. All of the experts I had put on a pedestal and valued as visionaries were telling me they didn't believe in what we were doing. We were only selling about two to three orders a day on our website. So barely keeping the lights on. And at this point, you have friends and family who love you dearly, but they are worried about you. Yeah, they're, they're, telling like, you to, they're telling you to punch you out and sure? bail. Yeah. Exactly. So it is hard. And, and why I wrote this book is I feel like so many people literally talk themselves out of their own truth. Like they literally never learn to hear their internal knowing because the noise of other people's opinions and self-doubt yeah. and lack of proof of our dream around us is so loud um, that they give up. And I just think that, and the worst thing is you can miss out on being the person you're literally born to be. You know what I mean? And it's so easy to do that and to stay in our comfort zone and it chips Mm. away at our soul. And anyways, I'm so passionate about this book because even though it's my story, I feel like it's a story of so many people out there going through this. And you know how it feels like sometimes in life, if we can use everything we've been through to somehow be of service to someone else, it's like, 
That's what's soul filling. Yeah. Like selling your company for a billion dollars. Oh, that sounds great and exciting. Of course, it's the biggest blessing. But when when you know what you've been through as a service to someone else, that's like soul filling. So that's why I wrote the book, and I'm so honored uh, to talk to you about it. <laughs> so so many, you. you said so many great. I mean, you're right. You're hitting you're hitting so many things on the head. I mean, that have come up time and time again. And the thing that I try to remind myself in 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 my journey too, and reminding and and, and it's the entrepreneurial story you hear. It really is a story about tenacity. I mean, that comes up time and time again. I can't tell you how many times I've heard it on the show and I've heard it from entrepreneurs that I've talked to and that I've known in real life. And like you said, I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't the richest. I maybe didn't even have the best idea. Um, I, the only difference between me and this other person who didn't make it and I did is I just didn't quit. I just kept going. And I got to tell you, the amount of no's, I mean, I've, I've heard, we've read all those stories and heard those stories of, rejection stories and this and that, but yours really takes the cake. I mean, you've had just so many stinking, <laughs> stinking no's that I just, I don't know if I would have kept going. I just don't know how I could have kept going. And, but you hit it on the head. That why, and you're right. And that first initial why sounded good. And you're probably pretty excited. And of course, I'm going to create a product that will help other people's skin. So we don't have to worry about it anymore, but that's not enough. Like you said, and if you just dig a little deeper and find out what is that one soul searching to get to the real purpose that's that's gonna lift you up when your back again is against the wall you're in the mud you're drowning in the mud you only got less than a thousand bucks in your bank your your mom your best friends everybody's telling you to quit it hey it's time to give up the dream and you just know right there's got to be something that's going to fuel that fire to keep pushing you forward and that's what just it, yeah. it's an amazing story well that and one thing i want to share too because and, and I hope this makes sense, but sometimes the right thing is to quit, yeah, right? right. You and here, know. and here's like, you know, and 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 yes, I feel like so many people make it because they just didn't give up. Like one of my favorite quotes is by Jay Z, who says, yeah. um, "The genius thing we did was we didn't give up." Didn't give up it's yeah. like that is so much of it. But I also think that for me, I think even more important than that, which is really one of the big reasons I wrote this is when we figure out how to listen to our gut, mm -hmm. our inner internal knowing and trust it, trust it. Me, that's how we know, do I keep going or, Oh, you know what? Like even sometimes you're having success, you're in this great job, everything is going well, but your inner knowing is like, this isn't where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to take that leap. It's time to quit. Like, like getting, learning how to trust yourself is such a big part of 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 this book and of I think even the journey for all of us because it's a, I think it's okay sometimes to give up on a dream when if it, it's a victory to give up on a dream if your inner knowing says oh it's right. it's time you're done right and listen like learning how to hear our inner knowing I feel like is something that few people ever do in life because it's really hard <laughs> yeah that's one of the first notes that I wrote down I wrote, and I highlighted and I and I I, I asterisked the notes. I wrote in capital letters here right before you came on. I was trying to think what are the things I wanted to and it, intuition was one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about. And that, and as you're talking about it, it's it's giving me some clarity about why I kept writing that down. I agree with you 100. percent I think that we 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 don't trust ourselves as human. Our intuition is way more powerful than we we give it credit for. Yes. And you know you can give it you know whatever that gnawing is that gut feel. The hair on the back of the neck, you can call it evolution, you can call it your soul, you can call it the Holy Spirit, you can call it God, whatever you want it is, it's there and it's real and it's very powerful. And you've got to believe it. And you've got but you've got to find a way to get still, like you said, because yeah. man, your ego and that head trash and that noise and the external and the people around you the closest will, will block that out. So I, I wish I knew how to do it instantaneously. It takes a lot of intentionality. But I'm with yes. you a hundred percent. If you can tap into that intuition and listen, um, yeah. that's going to steer you the right way. And you got to be brave enough to listen to it and pull that trigger, even though everything else doesn't seem to add up, right? Yes. You got to trust it. And that's it. the hard part, right? Mm -hmm. When it's like we start to second guess it. And yeah. I believe, Richard, I believe everyone has it. I believe everyone I has that, in, that internal knowing. I and, do too. You know, there's moments like when I, when I look back on a lot of the mistakes I made, it was usually when I trusted, you know, someone else's opinion over my own right. gut instinct. Um, but there were other moments where, you know, one of the most painful rejections, um, 
just to share it in case someone really needs to hear this today. Because I think, you know, a lot of times when we're going through that mess or we're going through the times where we don't want anyone else to know how how hard our struggle is or how we feel like we're failing as a leader or how, you know, somebody, maybe an employee, maybe a team member just gave us some real hard truth and we're trying to mm-hmm. process it or, or, or maybe our business just isn't having the kind of traction we want it to have. And it's hard to go through hard seasons. It's all of that. And, and it's hard to get rejected. Right. And, and, you know, for me, we were in this hard season of being down to under a thousand dollars in our, our bank account. And I remember thinking something just happened that was going to be like the biggest break ever. Um, we got a call from a potential investor, yeah. uh, a private equity company, right? And they were, they loved our product. I was like, yes. And uh, they wanted to have meetings. And so we started doing meetings and, um, and I was so excited because I was like, oh my gosh, if they invest in our business, A, I'm not going to go bankrupt <laughs> and B, like they had, they had, uh, they had, cr- they had invested in so many consumer product companies that like we shop at the grocery store for now. And they, they invested in a lot of them pre-revenue and made them huge household names. So I thought like, oh my gosh, if they invest in us, like maybe they'll use their leverage to get us into these places that are telling me no, the the retailers, the department stores, the, the, the beauty stores. And so we had some meetings and then more meetings. And then we started diligence, which is of course where you share your financial projections and your product pipeline and all that stuff. And it got down to the last meeting and my husband and I flew up for the meeting and, and they were lovely people. Right. And I was so excited. And I remember the guy was standing, the head guy was three feet from me. And he, you know, said, we love your product. We just want to congratulate you on everything you're doing. Uh, but it's a no, we're going to pass on investing in it cosmetics. And I said, okay. Cause by that point I'm super used to hearing no. Yeah, right. And, um, and I'm like, of course it, it, it hurt and all those things. But I remember saying, okay, you know, can you tell me why? Cause usually feedback is a gift usually. And, um, he says, well, do you want me to be really honest with you? Like really honest with oh, you? I'm man. like, yes, please, please. And he was three feet from me. And he said to me, I just don't think women will buy makeup from someone who looks like you, oh, my God. you know, with, with your body and your weight. Holy cow. And as he was saying this, and this is really a story about our inner knowing, right? So that's why I'm sharing it. As he was saying, and about, oh my gosh, not getting, not taking rejection personally, which I would love to share about in a second. But as he's saying this to me, of course, I feel like I'm punched in the gut. Like when he's saying women won't buy makeup from someone who looks like you with your body and your weight, I, I was watching his lips move and it almost felt like it, first of all, I felt like this lifetime of body doubt and self-doubt, yeah, like flood my back. body. It's I, coming back. Yeah. And, and I remember I didn't have any ill will toward him. It was almost like I was staring my own fear in the eye, knowing like, okay, like I've got to keep my faith bigger than it. But when he was saying these words to me, I felt this deep gut knowing that he's wrong. Yeah, I just felt yeah, it. Yeah. And I also knew if I'm ever going to prove it, I've got to figure out how to really believe it for myself, right? Because I have a lot, a lifetime of doubting this kind of stuff. Um, and I also remember just, so I, and I thanked him and I said, thank you for your feedback, all that kind of stuff. And here's what I want to share about that. When we get these rejections or when people say hard things to us or being able, of all the things I did wrong, which is a lot, a lot of mistakes I made. But one of the things I feel like sustained me through all of this, because uh, it was a lot of rejections and a lot of nights crying myself to sleep. Uh, and by the way, I turned everyone, every single one of them into a yes, uh, which is yeah. comes down to, to how I handled it, which I'll talk about in a second. Anyways, he, he in that moment, um, you know, I thanked him and all of that. But afterwards, I feel like human nature in our minds, we magnify the negative and we start replaying it, replaying those hurtful words, the doubt other people speak into our existence. It's so tempting to replay it over and over and almost like if, and I talk about this kind of tool in the book about your own microphone or your own volume dial, right? It's so easy to let those kind of things to like turn the volume up on him, to hear them over and over and then let them take root in ourselves. And one of the things that I learned how to do that for me changed everything was I learned how, and is this like imaginary thing I would do, but I would turn down the volume on stuff like that, that I knew in my gut wasn't wasn't right. right. Like it wasn't true. I would turn it down and I would turn up the volume on that inner knowing. It's like, oh, he's wrong. Right. All those things. And I did this practice throughout all, the whole decade of, you know, 
And it's hard to do, but when people would say, oh, you're not the right fit, right? You're not the head of QVC, a guy named Alan Alan Burke, Burke. who's built this Mm -hmm. multi-billion dollar beauty department there. I remember the call of him where he and all the buyers unanimously decided I wasn't the right fit Mm -hmm. for QVC or, or their customers. And when we hear those things, or frankly, it's our partner or our friend or someone that's like, oh, are you sure you're qualified? Or it could be anything, right? figuring out the skill of turning down the volume on what you know isn't true, right? Sometimes it is true and it's, it's valuable advice and valuable feedback. But when your gut and your truth tells you it's not turning down the volume and turning up the volume on the stuff that, because otherwise your head will be so filled with doubt, you can't hear your own truth anyway. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, and I wanted to take the time to introduce you to Ben Hutton, the sponsor of today's episode. Ben, tell our listeners what Hutton is all about. Hey, thanks, Richard. You know, we're a huge dose of leadership fans here at Hutton, so I appreciate the opportunity to sponsor your your program and be with you here today. You know, Hutton is a commercial architecture and construction firm headquartered in Kansas, but we do work really throughout the Midwest, designing and building things like hospitals, office buildings, schools, industrial and manufacturing facilities. But really, uh, more than that, we see ourselves as leaders in the communities that we serve. Yeah, that's one thing I've always appreciated about you, knowing you all these years. I love your intention around leadership and your vision as a company. So what do you think makes Hutton different? Sure. You know, Richard, our purpose is to build life into our employees' dreams, clients' visions, and communities' future. We really start with putting our people first, and then we keep people at the center of everything that we do, which really means we walk alongside of our clients from the very first thoughts they have about a building all the way through completion and then maintenance into the future. I love it. That's why I'm glad that you're a sponsor of this show, Ben. So great. How can people learn more about your company? Yeah, so to learn just a little bit more about us, you could go to huttonbuilds.com slash togetherwebuild. Great, Ben. Thanks for being a sponsor. And one cool thing, <laughs> fast forward a whole bunch of years later, when we eventually did uh, did sell uh, our company to L'Oreal. By the way, L'Oreal said no for three years. Yeah, also. right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when we, when we did sell, it was their, their largest acquisition in U.S. history. And uh, the day before the acquisition was announced, uh, because L'Oreal is a public company, they decided to disclose the purchase price, all these things. So it made the homepage of the Wall Street Journal. It was, it was out there everywhere. And the day of the deal announcement, I got an email from that investor. Uh, and he said, congratulations. You know, he's really excited for me. And he said, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what I learned is like, so two things, Hattie said yes, when I desperately felt like I needed him to, uh, two things, we would have become the most successful investment in his firm's history. Hattie said yes. Uh, but also, um, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting sometimes how the rejection can be like God's protection or yeah, right. like, because, you know, I would have probably given him the majority of the company for like no money because yeah, I was probably, desperate. I wouldn't be where you're at right now. You know exactly. I mean? I, if it weren't for all the rejection, I wouldn't have been the largest shareholder when we sold the business right. and all those things, right? And so, um, and so, and one more thing about why. So I'm getting so hyper, Richard. No, 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 I'm like, it's and, fine. It's good. Uh, but, <laughs> but he, when when we talk about the deep, deep, deep of our why, right? Like here was a guy. I, I never got mad at him because what I realized in that moment was like, oh, his, he's making a business decision and not investing in my company because his whole life also, he's only learned that one type of beauty is what you have to have to sell products. Same reason my deep, deep, deep why knew I needed to to try and create a, a company that changed that. He was as much affected by it as me or anyone else. And so you know, him, um, uh, uh, every rejection from all the retailers, from everyone along the way, um, you know, the one thing I would say is rejection feels personal. It feels so easy to be resentful over it and to say, you know what, they don't deserve to have me in their stores. They don't like, I'm, when we're big, I'm not going back there to all those things, right? It's our yeah. human nature. But the one, one of the things I learned, um, and again, so much I did right, uh, wrong rather, so many mistakes I made, which I talk about in the book too. But the the one one big thing that I learned is like when I look back on it, every time we got rejected, I mean, I remember three years of L'Oreal meetings and 
we would get to the end of a diligence phase and it was a no. And every time it hurt and I cried myself to sleep because I wanted to partner with them. But my response to them was like, oh, but it is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, right. So you know what? Uh-huh. I'm just going to keep letting you know about our wins and our successes. I can't wait for our partnership. And like, I meant it. I was like yeah. unremitting about yeah. it. And the same with every time, you know, QVC said no or Sephora or yeah, it hurts, but it's like, I did not let it, I didn't take it personal. And so many people I think make that mistake of taking rejection personal and thinking it's a no and it's the end of the road and it's a closed door. But like we were able over the years to, to, you know, we went from three years of no to getting a yes on QVC. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest life and business lessons in my entire career happened in that moment. Um, but we eventually built the largest beauty brand in QVC's history, right? right? And it started with three years of no. And it is right now at this moment, the largest brand in their history. Same with Ulta Beauty. Um, they have a thousand stores across the country. And the only reason I share it is because it's like, oh my gosh, like to to have the largest brand in their history, but like have it start with three years of them saying you're yeah. not the right fit, right? So anyone going through that season of rejection or of hardship, it's 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 just so important to to know that it's, you know, it may just not be right right now. And you just have to trust that timing. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? Exactly. No, you mean, well, you, you mean, and I think that is the big powerful lesson of the book and what you said right there is that, I mean, I can pick up a thousand sales books or entrepreneur books and they says, you know, and, and like you said, and, and Simon Sinek has come on here and we've talked about the power of why and all that, but you're saying something really profound that, that gets to the heart of, of, because it, there's a fine line between um, being delusional I'm being clear about what, you know, if I keep going forward or not, right? If I'm, you know, consistently going to the American Idol auditions and singing, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, you know, I mean, and I'm, but my dream is to be a pop star, you know, and if I really listen to my intuition and gut, they would tell me you need to do something else, right? But if I'm delusional and keep going forward, that's, that's, there's a difference there. And my point going, my point in this is that you really have to know, you have to do the work to have that alignment and clarity about that inner voice. It's so true in everything. And that inner voice, and again, I don't know, how, maybe now you can look back at it with a little bit of wisdom and clarity. When you're in the moment, I don't know if you were probably going, my inner voice says that, you know, you probably weren't saying that explicitly, but something was there that was pretty loud telling you, you know, no. You're wrong, and 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 but yeah. so you got to do that work to have that alignment and that clarity because you exactly. you had so many stinking nose. And the other thing too that the listeners should know, and it's in this book, you detail it. Like you said, or that it looked like it was going to change, and QVC is interested. They have a meeting, and Alan Burke says, "Ah, it's just not a no." Oh my God, what a gut punch! You know, in the fast forward, you know, Alan Burke ends up being one of your best personal mentors and actually works for yes. worked for you. Yes. I mean, yes. it's a, and, and that's just one example, like you said, the investor story that you said where the guy turned you down and, then, and the L'Oreal saying no for three years and then you got off the phone with her and you said, okay, I appreciate it, but someday it'll be a yes, you know, and she kind of chuckles. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And eventually it happened, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and you know, I think that um, I love that I love, I love what you're taking from the book because, you know, it's packed with like so many personal stories personal. too that mm-hmm. ended up impacting me as a leader, right? Like, like for anybody who's gone through a personal relationship or with a partner or family, like I talk about, you know, the literally the rug being pulled out from underneath me, like finding out in my late twenties, I was adopted, adopted and yeah. all these things and calling thousands of women for five years, getting hung up on the journey of that. And I talk about a lot of things, even personal lessons on, you know, uh, infertility and, and mm-hmm. eventually have, you know, going through the adoption and surrogacy process and mm-hmm. learning literally not by choice, having to trust another person to carry my baby. And what I realized, there's just a lot of things in here. Cause I, my whole life, I've always thought independence was a badge of honor and yeah. I will be the leader that can do it on my own. And I, I, you know, am a lone wolf, but I, all those things. And I realized, Oh, like, that's not a badge of honor. It's often when we're a lone wolf, we want to do it all on our, on our own and we don't need to depend on anyone else. It's really like for me, I realized it actually came from a deep seated fear that I wasn't worthy of right. other people's lessons, like personal and professional that 
you know, my prayer is I can save anybody who reads this book a whole lot of nights crying themselves asleep and like save them time, save them money. But more important than any of that, like help just, I feel like so many of us, and there's so many people out there that don't have any type of faith, but they connect through the power of story. And and that's how they're guided through life. And I think that every one of us has a story. And it was, I think, five or six years when lit agents were reaching out to me, wanting me to do a book and they wanted me to have a ghostwriter because I was working hundred hour weeks building mm-hmm. at cosmetics and I didn't have time. And I'm like, no, I said no for so many years because I didn't want to do it unless I wrote every word myself mm-hmm. and unless it was a million percent authentic. And so I'm just, I'm so excited because I just poured no, everything it, in it, here. And-, and it's impactful. Like I said, I mean, it takes... You know, I even see that when I watch my these interviews back, and I never, I never finish my sentences because my brain's going so fast. I got this like ADHD mind. You know, I've, I, there's a, a thousand things I want to say, and I'm trying to get them out. And, and even, you know, reading this book in the short amount that I did, I mean, I, I read it in one night, and I normally don't do that. Amazing. And I was like, God, this book is amazing. And I, I would stop, mm-hmm. and I'd, my wife's up there baking stuff for Christmas, and I'd be like, Listen to this. You know, listen to what she said here. You know, I'm like it's just an amazing book. I. The intuition thing, the authenticity thing, um, that's what stuck out to me. The no's um, or serendipitous grace, I wrote that down. The, the, the one thing I really liked, the story I really liked, is when you met Meg Whitman. Mm. And uh, I think Carol, was, were you with Carol from L'Oreal? Yes. And Carol yeah. says, hey, there's Meg Whitman. And you're like, oh, my God. You know, you're kind of having a little, you know, that's a famous person that I always wanted to meet. And, you know, and you, now you get a chance to meet her. And your mind's racing, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? And then you kind of got brave, right? And you you kind of asked her, you know, basically about her limiting beliefs, her doubts, you know, about a, a, a woman, body issues, shame, you know, all that kind of stuff. Did, and she paused and listened to your answer, and you're starting to panic a little bit what she's going to say. And then she says, you know, you know, no, I don't really struggle with that now. You know, I learned long ago that something has to give. And that was kind of a life-changing moment for you or, or kind of an aha moment. Yes. And it's so true, right? Like something has to give. And then like my point is, is like we're all faced with these limiting beliefs, these self-doubt. And when you worry about that, and I'm a worrier, right? People tell me I love to worry. And it kind of hit me when I read it. It's like, why am I giving that energy to that worry? And that's, that means something else has to give, right? That's my yes. takeaway from that. I don't know. I paraphrased your story there. You probably could have said it better than I did. But I thought no, it was an amazing so part of the good. book. I thought it was just great. Thank you. Yeah, exactly what you said is so good because it's like and, – and her lesson seems so simple. But it's, she's basically saying anything you give energy to at mm-hmm. all literally comes at the price of something, of else. something else you then can't. Right. And – it it was just out of the blue because I'm like an introvert at parties. There's a big Hollywood mm-hmm. A-list party. There's all these movie stars. Meanwhile, I see Meg Whitman, a businesswoman, and I'm like, yeah. oh, that's like the person I want. Right. And um, and I just it was out of nowhere that I you know was asking her, oh, do you you know struggle with this too? I feel like all these women, every woman I know is like, oh, they measure her own self worth based on what dress size she fits in. It's so ridiculous. Do you ever worry about it? And she's like, no, no, because you know. I work really hard in my career. I have kids. I She's like, so my house doesn't look like Martha Stewart's and I don't have time to worry about body image issues either because something has to give. And I'm like, and literally in that moment, kind of like what you just shared about worrying, I thought about the things I spend my energy on. And, you know, for me and me, a lot of women in your audience listening to and, and some men as well, actually, it's really, it's really everybody, but when we think about when we spend our time worrying about things that really don't matter, like in my case, it's like, oh, does this fit? Does this <laughs> outfit fit? Oh, I've ate another. Oh, what, right, all the body image stuff my whole life. I'm like, oh, what diet should I try now? Let me go. Let me surf Instagram. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I'm like saying it out loud, but I realized the hours. If I were to sum up the hours I'd spent worrying about that, what gave? Because I did that, right? Mm-hmm. I could have been focused on, you know, a, a cause I'm passionate about, a, anything, education, my family, serving others, things that bring me joy, like things that make the world a better place. It's like, oh my gosh, everything that we give our energy and time to comes at the price of something else we then can't. Yeah. And when I think about it now, it helps me like snap out of yeah. it when I'm tempted to like care about things that don't matter, like what someone said online about something or, 
a negative comment about something or the temptation to obsess over why this dress I bought for the holidays still doesn't fit, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a big, it was a big aha moment for me um, that I think is a great leadership lesson, but a great human lesson too. I agree. I mean, I think intuitively I knew that, but when I read it, 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 that really impacted me. But it also fed into, which I've talked about a lot, and I kind of came up, you know, from doing this show has almost been, for eight years has been a lot of like leadership therapy for me. You know, having 450 Mm -hmm. conversations with people like yourself, it impacts impacts an individual, right? And so one of the things that I kind of morphed into over the last few years, and I would get kind of angry, you know, I'd say, you know, I always heard this like work-life balance thing, and I would would get angry with that. I'm like, I don't think it's possible. I think work-life balance is a myth, and I think I think it, it does more damage and it does good. I, that's I from doing this show that came out, and when I was I was consulting a company, and we were talking, and they kept talking about how work-life balance. I'm like, it's not, it's not a myth. I, I, it's a myth. Don't even try to. You, it can't be balanced. It's impossible. I said to me, it's a it's about priorities. I said sometimes work is a priority. Sometimes this is a priority, and, but it's knowing, and it goes back to your thing about that inner. You know, knowing yourself, that self-awareness piece and that knowing that intuition that drives that priority list. And you better be that intuition, that intuitive gut feel, your values, who you are as a person, that authenticity has to be aligned with that priority list. And if it does, then then you don't have to worry about work-life balance because it all works itself out. And I think that work-life balance thing is like, oh, you can have it all is a bunch of bullshit, to be quite honest. And I think it, dri- I think it, I think it drives people insane. Anyway, that's my rant on that. I completely agree. And it's so delicate because it's such a buzzword inside companies as well. Um, I agree a million percent with what you just said. And I think also, and I learned this even more so when I became a mom, but I think that we always feel like we're failing at all of it when we're not balancing anything, yet it's impossible. So it's literally like signing up to feel like you're failing 24 Mm -hmm. seven. And I agree exactly with what you said. It comes down to learning to trust yourself and hear what feels right for you. And sometimes it's like, oh, I'm all in in this season doing a book launch. Or sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? I need to focus on some self-care right now. Mm -hmm. Or I haven't prayed in two months. I need to, I'm feeling disconnected from my faith. Or, oh, I need to shift my priorities because, you know, I feel filled up when I'm with my family. And I'm off right now. Like that, that internal knowing fully agree. And I also, I agree. I think balance is a lie. (laughs) And I think that, that, you know, a lot of companies, it's such a buzzword to tout themselves on. We promote work-life balance and I get why. And I, and that is important. It's important though. I think for people to reposition in their own minds, what that means, including, including corporations, by the way, and to say, we prioritize self-care, we prioritize, you know, mindfulness and and all those things but the idea of balance being perfect i think is is a, a recipe to feel like we're all failing i agree so that, i love that you're talking about yeah, that yeah that's and i think that's the key because it's a recipe for it's and it's okay to understand that it's not balanced it's that's why i use the word priority like some certain yes. times in my seasons and life has certain seasons and certain seasons have different priorities. Sometimes it's my family. Sometimes it's my health. Sometimes it's the work and, and something has to sacrifice, something has to give, right? Something has to give. Because exactly. if exactly. it was balanced, that means I'm giving, I'm giving you, my spouse, the perfect, all the attention and, and love and everything you need at the moment. At, and I'm giving the same amount to my career and my possession. And it's just impossible. I can't. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I love that you, you put that in the book. In fact, that was one of the first notes I wrote when I sat down. I was kind of thinking, trying to calm my ADHD mind, what I was going to talk to you about. That was the first thing I talked about was the balance is a myth. That really struck out to me. I love to, you mentioned the introversion part. I used, I like to say that this show is a welcome home for introverts because I'm an introvert too. And I think I, I fought that early on in my, particularly when I joined the Marine Corps, you know, 25 years ago, when I first got in, it was, I was trying to, you see so much external type A larger than life characters and think I got to be like that. And it wasn't me. I learned early on, I just needed to be me and I'm an introvert. And, um, but I, I like to, pub, I like to speak public speak. I like to do things I like to do this. I like to have these conversations. That's I'm more comfortable with that. This doesn't make me nervous at all. I love this, but you send me into a networking cocktail party. I'm a wreck, right? I hate being me in a too. room. <laughs> I hate being in a room and trying to 
have conversations <laughs> with people like, what am I going to say? And so yeah, I love, I think it's important that the listeners know that you're an introvert because the, the, yeah. power to the introverts, you know, that's, that's what I always like to say. Not that extra, yeah. not that extroversion is bad, but that the introverts just have a little bit more trouble believing that what they feel is okay or normal. And I think it's very powerful once you embrace it. What are your thoughts? I yes, and I think like don't try and change it. No, agree. that's something yeah. I used to like, exactly what you're saying. I used to think like oh, because I go to parties and you know, kind of like you, right? So in 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 for years, I was on tele, like I did 250 live shows a year on QVC and all the big company events and big keynote speeches, all those things on a lot of stages. But as an introvert, so I, I would when I would go to a party and, and I didn't know anyone, I'd literally want to hide in the corner. Right, I'd me literally, too. And, and I used to think for a season of my life, oh, I need to just get more confident or more extra. It's like, no, like what I know now, and actually I heard someone put it this way and I thought it was so smart is that the difference between introverts and extroverts is like, and you can't help who you are. Right. And, mm-hmm. and they said it, that we all kind of start every day with like a certain number of coins that we're holding and, <laughs> and, and every for, for introverts, when you have like a social interaction and things like that, like you're giving away your coins, right? And all of a sudden you're left with none at the end of the day. So anything more that happens, you just start to feel empty and depleted and you need to restore. <laughs> right. Whereas extroverts, they do, they they get coins. They get coins. From all the, yeah. Right. And I I realize that. And so I think, and by the way, so many people, as you know, that have accomplished their most incredible dreams and changed the world and have done huge public things or private things or leadership things are introverts mm-hmm. and as many as there are extroverts. And I think like that's freeing to know mm-hmm. and it's okay. And it's no indication that you know your dreams aren't going to happen as easily as an extrovert. I don't think it's any indication. I think mm-hmm. what it is, it is it tells you, oh, let me make sure I'm protecting my own peace. Let me make sure I put up the right boundaries in my life so that I'm not depleting all my coins every single day and there's nothing left for me and what I want to create and give and serve and ideate and and dream up and right? Yeah. So I think it's like knowledge is power when, especially when it comes to like knowing if you're an introvert, if you feel depleted from these things, that's power to know that because then you can protect yourself and not feel bad about it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because it's great. Introverts unite. Exactly. I love it. (laughs) It is a book about, so maybe it's the unwritten kind of overarching theme. It is about, we, we, we've hit it on this about talking about the, the knowing, the inner knowing and the, the inner voice. It is a self-awareness, or it speaks to the power of self-awareness, of knowing yourself and seeking self-improvement. It's a constant battle. I mean, you, you're still doing it today. I think it's important. I mean, you know that. I mean, that's, you, you knew that early on. And I'm thinking of those examples, particularly, again, of, and I don't know how you got it at such a young age or early on in your career. I think you were doing it without knowing you were doing it, I think. I think a lot of it was driven by, I think initially the drive was driven by insecurities or worried of failing maybe or overcoming those kind of limiting beliefs that were gnawing at you, right? I'm not good enough. The self-image issues, right? And I think for whatever reason that started maybe the grind. But early on, it seems like you said, okay, you got in touch somehow with that self-awareness and maybe even a little bit of faith or a lot of faith. And those became the fuel because it, because of your, the reason why I'm saying it is because of your response to number one, like the, the story of you're starting to see some success at QVC and those other three women were kind of <laughs> circling you out, you know, and how yeah, mean and girls. the mean girls chapter. <laughs> and if you didn't have that kind of self-awareness or that faith, you could have easily, because my human side would be like, I'll show these blankety blanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that could fuel it, but that's not sustainable, I guess, is my point. It's like if you if you would have chose revenge or I'll show you or I'm going to rub this in your mm-hmm. face someday as your fuel, I don't think it would have been sustainable. Does that make sense? Am I making sense? It makes sense, yeah. And also like some of those hardships, it's like they can end up – teaching us things about ourselves or strengthening our inner knowing and be gifts, right? So I, I talk, I share so much. I've never shared that story oh, before, shared, by the yeah. way, like 95% of the book I've never shared, but I go into this hardship of when we finally started having success and, you know, getting kind of eventually bullied by other grown women and going through this hard season. But what came out of it for me was like, 
this unwavering knowing that we're not here to compete with anyone else. We're here to compete with like yeah, that's who it. we were born capable of becoming, right? And the one thing I, I want to share just on, on your question, because I think there might be other people listening too that have the same feeling. Like, I think people can be our mentors who we've never met before, right? I'm sure yeah. you're a mentor for so many people in your community. I think books can be mm-hmm. mentors I for agree. us. And I remember as a little girl sitting in my living room watching Oprah and literally she was my mentor all growing up. And I remember this moment, I think it was about nine and she was uh, being interviewed by Barbara Walters and she said yeah. something that then she took so much flack for in the press, the press, but she said that she always knew she was destined, destined for greatness. And I remember sitting there as a little girl going, me too. I do too. <laughs> I Right. And, and then I remember in my days as a Denny's waitress, or I remember having this inkling that I was supposed to uh, get out and meet new people and, and see new places and create more and serve more and lead at a higher. I remember feeling that inkling, but as a Denny, like working, serving pancakes and all that, like, I didn't know yet how it was going to happen, but I always had that, in, that inkling. Yeah, that, that and one. I think that like a big reason I wrote, believe it is because I think so many people have that inkling. They, mm-hmm. they, they think where I, where I, I know where I came from doesn't determine where I'm going. I know where I'm at right now. Isn't all of who I was born to be. I know I have more to give inside me or serve or create or, but like, but then they doubt it anyway. <laughs> right. And, and then, and then that's where so many of us end up stuck. And so the story really is, is, all the ways, I guess, and ups and downs of learning how to step into that knowing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that's the why the book is so powerful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you just hit it on the head. I mean, that's why the book is so powerful, I think. What you, that message, you just, what you just said right there, that just kind of hit me when you were saying that. And I think that, that's why it resonated with me. I was talking with, um, you know, we talk, other thing I like to talk about too is like, you know, who you surround yourself with, you know, and, and the people that you, you know, the, the, the people that you surround yourself with and you do a great job showing like kind of your, your circle of influence and, and the varied backgrounds and everybody's different, you know, and the kind of the messy history everybody has. I love that. I love that part of the book. But I was talking with one of those friends of mine in, the other day and we were talking about some of the ideas that we have and we're working on. He's like, he said, what's bothering you? And I said, oh man, I just, just I had this this gnawing that what you just said like I always have this gnawing that I meant to do something more bigger mm-hmm. and like one of the yes. one of the the critiques I've had and from coaches and from therapists and it's like you do this great job of selling this idea that you're selling it and then and then you spiral it down it like kind of like you know if you compliment him like you you open up that one chapter like hey that's a nice shirt oh I got it on sale you know <laughs> right like we always. You know, I sometimes I do it myself. I like I'll say, yeah, I got this vision, blah blah blah, and I'm all excited, and everybody's excited around me. And I'm like, but I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, who am I? Or I'll say something that just kind of totally deflates it. And I see that in you in this book. When I read this book, like, oh, she's a lot like me. But you've you you talk about how to combat that. Basically, that's what you're trying to tell me in this book is like stop deflating yourself, right? And believe that you do have something to give. And that's not delusion. That's not arrogance. That's what we're put on the planet to do. That is our obligation to yes. make the place better than we found it. And if you don't, then you're shaming the angels is how I look at it, right? Yeah, that's so good. Yes, exactly. And I talk about too how I had that big, I had a big aha moment where I realized that's what I was doing. And I was dimming my own light and calling it humble, right? <laughs> right. And calling it. Oh, and I realized, humble. wow, it's like when we do that, we, so when we dim our own lights and downplay our own successes and our own thoughts and our own ideas and all those things, we, we not only, we, we, first of all, show other people, we give an example to <laughs> our kids, to our loved ones of, oh yeah, it's good to dim your own light too. But also like, we need to see what sometimes we need to see what selves and like had Oprah ever dimmed her light. I would have never seen this example of someone who made me think, Oh, this is all possible for me too one day. Right. And I had this big moment in life where 
it was after making the Forbes list and all this stuff happened and I was hiding all of it. And I realized, oh my gosh, like it's not about me. My, the gifts we all have, once we transcend our own <laughs> head, yeah, we, t- we realize, oh wow, it's not about me. Like, and if I'm dimming <laughs> yeah. my own light, I'm potentially robbing being an example for someone else to see something's possible for them too. Maybe someone who had similar experiences to me or similar problems or came from a similar place. Like they need an example too of what's possible. So I've learned a lot about how to not make anything about me in my own head. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I talk about how to do that in the book because it's really powerful um, in terms of shifting our perspective and becoming the person we're born to be. Yeah, that humility. You're right. I mean, we think we're being humble, but we're still kind of making it about ourselves. That's a great point, right? It's like even just talking from an influence perspective, and that's what leadership is. That's what life, you know, not just leadership in life. We have to be a person of influence, right? We're influencing people whether we like it or not. You know, and so if we're going to, if that's happening, I better start to be intentional about it. And a lot of the ways that you can become a person of influence is real. A lot of it, so much of it is internal, like you said. And going back to what you said, the foundation of that, knowing with clarity and alignment what that inner intuition, that inner voice is and that purpose is, the really deep one. And then, and then believing it and then doing that work shines a light on yourself, I guess, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not, you know, it's, it is shining a spotlight on you. And that's okay. And we don't like the, I think the reason why we do that is because we say, ah, who am I? I don't want the spotlight. I don't want to get a big head. I don't want to get egotistical. Mm-hmm. I don't want to start believing my own press. But shining that light in the way that we're talking about, in this authentic way that the God universe wants you to do it, then it gives permission for the people around you that bathe in that light to do the same. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. And that's why you, mm-hmm. like you said, and particularly, and I'm a daughter, I got father of four daughters and you talk about it in the book is like, hey, you've kind of got, you know, bring people into your proximity, right? That's kind of an obligation, you know, bring somebody like open up another seat so they can just kind of see and bathe in that light. You don't have to do anything so much external, right? I'm just kind of interpreting what I've taken from your book, but that's, does that make sense what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. I love this book. It's been an hour we've been talking. I could talk to you for another three or four, but you've got things to do. You've got a life to live. And, and, but man, what an awesome accomplishment. And I don't know. I mean, you should be very proud. Of, I know you are. And I know the feedback you've probably gotten has all been pretty positive. But I think you've done something amazing. Like I said, and, and I'm a guy. I'm not even your target. You know, the funny thing is I probably, when you were sitting like, who's my target audience? I think it is for everybody. I mean, I know you, you come at it and you, there's some, some specific things, and I'm glad that you did that target women, but it's, it is for everybody. It affects men, women, everything. You did a really, really good job on this book. Oh, it is, it's going to be – it's so very much. powerful. It's very powerful. Thank you. Thank so, you. Yeah, it's really for everybody, like everybody who's on that journey of mm-hmm. just – who really wants to learn to believe in themselves, trust themselves, and then, you know – believe it's possible to, to, to step into all of who they are, all of who they're born to be. And I'm so excited. And this is launch week. It's coming out. Yeah, so <laughs> it's, it's, I'm excited. I think it's great. You know, we didn't talk about like, you know, stop taking experts and putting them on a pedestal and start believing in yourself. That's really a big takeaway for me in this book. And I think it's, it's just, it's just great. How can people, they can buy it everywhere, buy the book, believe yeah. it. But how can people connect with you? I think you've got a website called believeit.com and you maybe even got some gifts if people go there and can sign up and get some stuff. T- tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind of a big celebration for launch week and, and maybe a few a few days after. But yeah, if you pick up um, Believe It uh, anywhere, it's sold. Um, it's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, independent bookstore, anywhere. Grab it from anywhere. Uh, and if you go to believeit.com, um, you get a bunch of free stuff. So you just enter your order number and, uh, there's a whole course I did, um, on how to overcome the things holding you back. And there's also a huge uh, action plan that helps you implement all the lessons from the book into your real life. So you get them all for free. It's just a big launch celebration, um, there. And that's at believeit.com. Um, and then, uh, I'm on Instagram mostly at, at Jamie Kern Lima, but, uh, but really here just 
for everyone. Excited to share this with you and your whole community. And it's such an honor, um, an honor to, to spend this time with you. And also just to hear that you read the entire book in a day and that you cried. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like you just made my whole, it did. My whole world. So it thank was, you. It was awesome. My wife's like, I got to read that book. I said, you've got to read this book. I said, right before I came down here, I said, this is one of the best books I've ever read. It really is. I mean, of course, I, I don't know. I mean, it. I mean, it, I'm, I'm not just saying it because you came on the show. It was a really impactful Thank book you. for me. So thanks Thank for coming so on, the, on the show, Jamie. It's been a real pleasure having you on. And I'm glad to bring you into the Dose of Leadership tribe and uh, consider yourself yes. an honorary knighted member. And, and thanks oh. for coming on. Thanks for coming on. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.